0: to say welcome to those of you in the house with us this morning as well as the many of you who I know are tuned in on our live stream as well. It's great to have you here. If you happen to be new here, my name is Chris Dillon. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life Community Church. And uh, if we haven't met, I usually kind of hang out here for 10, 15, 20 minutes after the service, would love to just introduce myself. If you've got a few minutes after the service, get to know you uh, a little bit. And I uh, wanna say, uh, man, if, if you are new, I think you picked a great week to be here. We're, we're back in our uh, The Abiding Life series after a two-week break. So we, well, we took a break for Easter. And then last Sunday, as Pastor Jonathan mentioned, we kind of launched publicly a church planting partnership with Coastway Church. They're gonna be planting in Myrtle Beach Uh, This summer. So, just really exciting to see the things that God is allowing us to participate in um, as a faith family as we join Him and what He's doing, uh, not only in the United States, but also uh, globally around the world. I also want to say man if you're if you're here either in the room perhaps you're tuned in and you're uh, not yet a Christian you're just kind of kind of exploring what the faith is about I think you also picked a great Sunday to be here because what we're going to be talking about this morning is absolutely crucial it is foundational to our faith what we believe as followers of Jesus Christ And so what we're doing is we're just walking through five chapters of John's gospel. And and really this, this section of scripture is called the upper room kind of discourse or the farewell discourse. And so the scene is Jesus has now gathered his 12 disciples, right? It's the Passover. And so it's really kind of this festive atmosphere in the city of Jerusalem. And how many of you know, last words are important words, right? So you just imagine if you knew you had one night left with your spouse, like one night left with your family, your closest friends, like how would you spend that night? Man, you would be giving them your best, right? You'd be investing all the wisdom in the world that you had and just pouring into their lives and their souls. And that is exactly what Jesus is doing in these five chapters in John's gospel. And he kinda, they kind of get halfway through the mill. And all of a sudden, Jesus looks around and he can tell that the disciples are troubled, right? He kind of looks around and he can see that they're, they're confused, that they're sad, that they're troubled, right? Judas has just kind of left to kick off this betrayal. Jesus has just told Peter, hey, bro, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows in the morning. And so all the disciples are like, man, what is, what is going on? Just like, hey, I'm about to leave you, about to go to the cross, But then in chapter 14, Jesus kind of transitions and he begins to give his disciples these really amazing promises. So the first half of John chapter 14, he gives them two promises. The first promise is, hey guys, yes, I am leaving. I'm going to the cross. Then I'm gonna ascend to the right hand of the Father, but I'm going away to prepare a place for you. I'm I'm not gonna leave you forever. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I leave to prepare a place for you, then I'm gonna come back for you. I'm gonna bring you to myself. So where I am, there you can be also. And then he makes him another promise. He says, listen, when I, when I leave, you guys are gonna do great works. In one sense, you're gonna do greater works than I did. And we, so we talked about a couple of weeks ago how this really was a reference to the launch, the establishment of, of the church, the bride of Christ, right? The, the biggest spiritual movement that revolutionized the world. And then today, in the back half of John chapter 14, if you have a Bible, now's the time just to go ahead and go there, turn it on on your phone, your app, your iPad, whatever you're on. John chapter 14 we're going to be in the back half and Jesus gives them a third promise as he looks at them and he tells he can tell that their hearts are troubled he gives them a third promise and, and I think he saves the best for last I think he saves the best for last now the two first two promises in John 14 were spectacular really awesome but I think he saves the the best for last it's kind of like uh, for those of you who have kids or grandkids I don't know, maybe you do it kinda like Cheryl and I, but so we we buy a handful of of presents for Christmas for for each of our three kids, and and we kinda stagger them and place them so that they open the best one at the end, right? So it's kind of like you get socks first, you get the bike at the end, right? You never start with the bike. You start with the underwear, you start with the socks, and then you work up to the bike or the skateboard or the, the Red rider BB gun or like whatever it is, right? And I kind of feel like this is what Jesus is doing here. He's saving the best present, the best promise for last. And so we're gonna start in verse 15 in John's gospel, chapter 14. He says this, "'If you love me, you will keep my commandments.'" Now, this is really important. In fact, it's so important. Jesus says this same thing three other times in three other ways. So verse 21, this will be on the screens for you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. So he just said the second thing twice. Verse 23, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Third time he said the same thing. Verse 24, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Now I don't know about you, but if Jesus says the same thing four different times in four slightly different ways in the span of nine verses, it might be super important. Super important. It could be that he's trying to communicate something to us as his disciples. And what is clear here is that there is this unmistakable connection between loving Jesus and obeying his commands. Now this makes, a little, this makes some folks a little bit uncomfortable, right? But the, the truth of the matter is those who say they love Jesus but never follow his commands display a really dangerous disconnect in their lives. Now, now here's where I would argue a lot of churches kind of go go wrong. So a lot of churches will preach this and they'll stop at verse 15. So like the kind, of, kind of the takeaway, the message is, you need to go, if you love Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian, you need to go and obey him. So leave here and stop sinning by your own willpower. Stop doing stupid stuff you know you shouldn't be doing and go just will yourself, strive and try hard into a life of holiness. Now, let me ask you a question for those of you who have tried that. How does that go? Probably about as well as it goes for me. Right? Typically, when we do that in our own strength, when we try to follow Jesus, when we try to follow his commands in our own strength, it's an absolute train wreck, isn't it? Because typically one of two things happens. Either you get people that think they're pretty good at it, right, and so they're like, man, I got my checklist, and, Boom, read my Bible this morning. Boom, prayed this morning. in my Tide check this month. Went to church three out of four Sundays. Boom, boom, boom. Man, I'm nailing it. And what happens is a lot of those people develop a false sense of self-righteousness. So you create these little, these little Pharisees that begin to look down on other people. And then you have a whole other group of people. And I kind of probably fall into the, more of this category. that people that kind of figure out pretty quickly, like, I, I, can't, I can't do this. Like Jesus is calling me to do all these things and, and I'm trying, but I still mess up every day and I got this sin in my life and I'm, and I'm struggling and I don't, I, I'm trying, it doesn't matter how I try. So maybe this, I guess this Christian thing, just like it, it isn't for me. But here, here's the thing we have to understand. That this whole idea that, hey, you just need to go and follow Jesus, obey his commands, will yourself to do it. That's not the gospel, That's religion. Religion says, man, you got to perform and you got to do all these things right. And when you get it all right, then God is going to love you. The gospel says Jesus has done all those things on your behalf. And it's as you have a love relationship with Jesus that he empowers you through his spirit to begin to obey his commands. And so where a lot of churches get it wrong is they divorce the command in verse 15 with what we're about to read in verse 16, which is the key to actually being able to follow Jesus and obey his commands, So let's go there. Verse 16, he says this, Jesus. He says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper. Hmm, who's he talking about? I'm gonna give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Obviously, in case you didn't pick up on it, Jesus right here is talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just say from the outset that I I know within the context of our church body, we have people from almost every conceivable background here, right? Some of you are like me, you grew up in kind of staunch baptist background some of you grew up in kind of the stodgy high church presbyterian backgrounds others of you came from more charismatic pentecostal backgrounds others of you have no church background at all and for me i came out of the baptist tradition that's kind of kind of my tribe which just meant that this sort of for for us most of the people around me when i was growing up in church the holy spirit was kind of like the crazy uncle that you never talk about Right? The one that shows up once a year at the family Christmas party, and as soon as he walks in, everybody gets really nervous. Right? Because you don't know what he's about to say, what he's about to do, but it's gonna be wild, right? So that's kind of how we we viewed the Holy Spirit when I was growing up. In fact, the high school that I went to was a was a high school that was run by an assembly of of God Church. So kind of a more of the charismatic tradition. And so we would have to go to chapel uh, once a week in high school. And about twice a year they would they would bring in like like a charismatic kind of Pentecostal evangelist and he would preach a message and then he would invite all the students forward and then he would start punching them in the forehead and they would they would fall down and have like convulsions on the floor. And I remember like standing in the back with my arms folded at 14, 15, 16 thinking, if that's what the Holy Spirit does, I got no interest in that. I don't wanna get punched in the forehead. I don't wanna flop around like a fish on the floor in front of everybody. If that's what the Holy Spirit does, I got no need for that in my life. I know that at 15, 16. And so in my experience, churches either have bad teaching on the Holy Spirit or they have no teaching on the Holy Spirit. So you either get like this really crazy, unbiblical stuff that I experienced in high school or you get nothing at all. But here's the deal. The older I get, the longer I walk with Jesus, the more I read the teachings of Jesus, the more I'm convinced that we cannot afford to neglect the Holy Spirit of God. We cannot afford to neglect the Holy Spirit. In fact, I would argue that the Holy Spirit is probably the most neglected power source on planet Earth today. Most neglected on planet Earth. Now, let me me start by saying that the Holy Spirit is not an it or a force. See, sometimes even by the the language that we use about Holy Spirit, we create sort of this mystical thing that's hard for us to understand. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a force. He is a person and he is God. So you need to understand in the Christian faith, we believe in the triune nature of God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, co-equal in essence as God, different functions in the Godhead, but all 100% God. Now this is so important because Jesus connects being able to love him and obey his commandments with the power of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever noticed that it seems like it's impossible to obey Jesus, to follow biblical commandments in your own strength? Have you ever noticed that that sometimes feels impossible? Do you wanna know why that is? Because it is impossible. It's impossible. The key, I'm convinced more and more to following Jesus, to obeying his commandments, to living that kind of next level spiritual life that Jesus wants for us is the Holy Spirit. He is the key to all of that. And I can tell you just from my own personal experience, listen, on on days and weeks, and, and here's my confession, I do this far too often, far too often, on days and weeks and months, when I try to follow Jesus in my own strength, here's the deal, I end up frustrated. I end up sad, I end up angry, I end up tired, I end up grumpy. But when I intentionally connect to the Holy Spirit, when I ask him to to fill me and guide me, to give me wisdom, to free me from my sin, from the the desires of my flesh, it's incredible what he begins to do in my life. So I wanna wanna just answer three questions for us this morning. These will be on the screens for you, this will be our, our outline. Who has the Holy Spirit? Okay, so who has access to the Holy Spirit? The second thing we'll answer is, what does he do, right? Did what I experienced in high school, is that, is that what he's about or is it something else? And how can we connect with him? So that'll, that'll be kind of our outline and then we'll, we'll celebrate um, the Lord's Supper at, at the end. So the first question, who has the Holy Spirit? Does everybody have access to the Holy Spirit? Some, some would sort of believe that, like, hey, anybody who prays to God, will have access to the Holy Spirit. Uh, Perhaps the Holy Spirit is for those Navy SEAL Christians, right? Those like uber spiritual people, like missionaries or, or, or pastors or someone like that. Who gets the Holy Spirit? Now, fortunately, Jesus tells us in verse 15 and 16, right? He says, Those who love me obey my commands and I will send the helper to them. So who gets the Holy Spirit? Jesus has told us. Everybody who loves me. And so the question for you is this. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? I'm I'm not asking you to, hey, do do you know some facts about Jesus? I'm not asking you if you have some historical knowledge about the person of Jesus. I'm not asking you if you admire the teachings of Jesus or the life of Jesus. I'm asking you, do you have a heart level, soul level love for Jesus? Does he, does he stir your heart? And if the answer to that question is yes, you have the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. He has sealed you. You belong to God. But what I'm learning is that there is a difference between the indwelling of the Spirit what some might call the baptism of the Spirit, that kind of one-time event. When you place your faith in Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you, there's a difference between the indwelling of the Spirit and the filling of the Spirit, which is a daily discipline, a daily exercise for the follower of Jesus. So if you're a Christian, I want you to write this down. This will be on the screens for you. Here's the goal. Sealed once, filled daily. Sealed once, but filled daily. That's the goal. Now, I, I didn't understand this for a long time, but I'm just now really learning to live with a kind of a conscious awareness of my need for the Holy Spirit. In fact, one of my, one of my prayers every single Sunday morning when I'm, I'm driving here, um, and some people might think this weird, but I, but I actually, I pray to the Holy Spirit. I engage the Holy Spirit and I say, Holy Spirit, I, will you please empty me of me? Like, your, your people don't need to hear a word from a man. They don't need to hear from me. God, would you, would you empty me of all of my pride? Holy Spirit, will you empty me of my insecurities? Would you fill me with you? Our people need to hear a word from you. God said, so would you fill me? Would you just use me as a tool? Help it not be about me in a positive way or a negative way. Would you fill me? Would you be present? Would you work in people's hearts and lives as we meet, as we gather? When I have a tough meeting, I've learned the hard way, man, to to pray to the Holy Spirit and say, Spirit, I I need your counsel. Will you fill me? Will you give me the mind of God? I know this is gonna be tough, and it's amazing every single time that I'm disciplined that I do that. It's amazing what God does. Now, you you need to understand, if you are in Jesus, you have access to this Holy Spirit. You need to understand that. You have access to this Holy Spirit. He's indwelling you. Now, for those of you who are either in the room, maybe online, and you're just exploring the faith, I want you to know you can experience the Holy Spirit through a relationship with Jesus, man. And I just pray, if you have not trusted in him yet, I hope that you will today. So the the answer to the first question, who has the Holy Spirit? The answer is those who love Jesus. Those who love Jesus have the Holy Spirit. Next question, what does the Holy Spirit do? Now, the truth of the matter is we could spend an entire sermon series on this and one day we we may do just that. But for today, we're gonna drill down on three specific things, three specific functions that the Holy Spirit does in the life of the follower of of Jesus. So look back at verse 16 with me. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. And that's in the context of sending the Holy Spirit to us. Now to be honest, how many of you in here ever need help on anything, right? For those that didn't raise your hand, you need lots of help because you need help and you're a liar on top of it. All right, we, we all need help. Now I, um, I was talking to my kids this morning um, before we came to the nine o'clock service and we were recounting this event. So one of the things we like to do about, about now, you know, springtime, summertime, falltime is, is to, do, to go hiking. As, as a family. And so four or five years ago, we were hiking, we went up on the, on the Blue Ridge Parkway, we found this place that's supposed to have like this really great overlook, this great view. And um, it, was, it was summertime, so it was hot and we made a mistake of only packing one Nalgene bottle of water for, for five, five of us. And so we're like an hour and a half into this hike and it's hot and the, the water is almost gone. And at some point we realized like we're off the trail and I i don't know, I, so we just got lost and I took it like a deer trail or something. And we were like, we were sort of like pushing through the brush and like, I don't think this is, this is the way. My kids are crying, like, we need water, we're so thirsty. They're like, no, we have to ration it because we don't know when we're going to be back. We might die out here. And I could just picture like, like, <laughs> like I could picture the news article, pastor leads his family on death hike. And, you know, they could, <laughs> All my critics, like, ah, we knew he was gonna be a cult leader. He just started with his family. Um, Finally, we kind of like worked our way back and we got out just in the nick of time. Nobody died, thankfully. But look, y'all, I'm just being, I need help. I need help all the time. And the reality is we all need help. And that's the, the great news is the first function, the first thing that the Spirit does in the life of the believer is number one, he's our helper. He's our helper and we need help. That's good news. So the question then becomes, well, how does the Spirit help us? It's interesting, the word there uh, in the Greek for helper is parakletos. And it actually means several things. It means comforter, intercessor, and advocate. Now, again, we could spend a whole sermon just on, on what the helper does. But listen, when you're a believer, when your heart is troubled, when you're suffering, the Holy Spirit helps you by comforting you. Now, how many of you could just kind of tell that testimony of a time that you walked through a dark season in your life, when you walked through a painful season, when you were suffering, and you couldn't even really explain how or why, but you just had this sense of comfort in your life as you walked through a very difficult situation? That's the Holy Spirit of God comforting you, walking with you. The second thing he does is he intercedes for you. That's kind of a big word, and you kind of hear that, and you're like, well, what, what is that? What does that mean? The Holy Spirit intercedes for me. That that sounds kind of high and mighty. Look at Romans 8. This will be on the screens for you. Paul, the apostle, writes this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit, listen, intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So follower of Jesus, when your heart is broken, when you are confused, when you are like me sometimes and you don't know what to pray or how to pray and you just come to God, you're like, man, I don't, even have, I don't even have the words right now. What Paul is telling you is that in that moment, the Holy Spirit of God is interceding on your behalf in the throne room of God. Like how amazing is that? That is insane. He also helps us as our, as our advocate, right? Meaning that, listen, when the accusations of the enemy come against us, and listen, y'all, we have a real enemy. When our enemy comes against us and he begins to whisper lies in our ear, like, listen, you're not, you're not worthy of God's love. Like, you're too messed up. You've gone too far. You've committed that sin too many times, like you're a loser. God could never love you. Nobody if they really ever knew who you were, nobody would ever love you. And this term paracletos is actually it's a legal term, right? Advocate. So here's the picture. The Holy Spirit of God, your enemy is accusing you in a courtroom saying, "He's guilty. She's guilty. They deserve death. They don't deserve love." And the Holy Spirit stands up and points to our accuser and says, "You're a liar." You're a liar. Their sin has been paid in full by the blood of Jesus. Their case has been dismissed. They are free. They are guiltless. They are innocent. They are free in Jesus. So he is our helper. He is our comforter. He intercedes on our behalf. He is our advocate before the Father. That's how the Holy Spirit of God helps us. And Listen, we all need that kind of help. I need that kind of help daily in my life. Jesus continues on in verse 19. He says, yet a little while, And the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. that's another glorious promise. We could spend a whole message just right there, right? Because Jesus lives, those of us who follow him, we will always be alive in him. Wherever he is is where we will be also in this life and the life to come. Verse 20, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest, manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot. Now that's a bit of a bummer, right? Jesus has two disciples named Judas. How would you like that, right? What's your name? Adolf, not Hitler, not, not Hitler. What's your name? Osama, not Bin Laden, not Bin Laden. Like I, I just picture Judas kind of like leaning over John's you know, shoulder as he's writing the gospel and be like, put not Iscariot. Put not a Iscariot, I'm going to punch you. You better, you better put that in there. So Judas, not Iscariot, he wants us to know that, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Verse 25 these things I have spoken to you while I'm while I'm still with you but the helper the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name listen will teach you all things and will bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you so the second function the second thing that the Holy Spirit does in the life of the follower Jesus first of all is he he's our helper right and he helps us in the in many ways the second thing he is in our life is he's our guide He's our guide. Now I, I can remember when Cheryl and I first got married, we, um, we chose to, to honeymoon in, in Key West, right? So, so we go down there. And one of the things that we did was we, we took a snorkeling expedition. So we hired this guy who had a boat and he's, he's the guide. So he, he, he drove us out in his boat, probably like two miles into the to the ocean. He knew where to go to find the fish and all that kind of stuff. And he's teaching us, you know? So he's saying, hey guys, this is how you put the fins on. This is how you wear your mask. This is how you have the snorkel. you can kind of go to this depth, but don't go beyond this depth. And this say this sea life is safe for you to interact with, but this sea life over here, like you want to kind of stay away. Don't pet the barracudas, that's a bad idea. So he kind of, kind of would teach us all that we needed to do. And then we'd kind of go swim around, we'd we'd come back and then he would remind us of things, right? He'd say, hey, listen, I notice that your fins were kind of placed right here. If you do them like this, you can go a little bit deeper. He'd kind of remind us of the things that he taught. He was, he was our guide, right? He was our, he was our guide. Now, how many of you know in this crazy world that in which we live, we all need a guide in life. We just knew we, we need a guide in life. We need someone to teach us what is true and what is a lie. We need someone to remind us of who we are and whose we are. When the enemy begins to assault us, for those of you who have been walking with Jesus for some time, have you ever had an experience where uh, you're just going through something in your life? Or maybe you're, you're talking to a friend or a family member, a loved one, and they're just going through a hard time in life. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you just remember like a verse that you memorized when you were like six. Like you haven't even looked at it in, in like 10 years, 20 years or maybe a worship song that comes to your mind or a specific message or something like that just comes to your mind and it's exactly what you needed in that moment or exactly what that person that you're talking to needed in that very moment. Listen, guys, that is the Holy Spirit of God. He's teaching us. He's reminding us as our guide what we need in that very moment. That is the Holy Spirit. So he's not only our helper, he's also our guide. Then look at verse 27. This is beautiful. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. That's the second time, by the way, he said that in chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So he sends us a spirit to be our helper, the spirit to be our guide. And number three, he sends a spirit to be our peace giver. See, the spirit of God applies the peace of the son into the hearts of those who love Jesus. In fact, in Galatians chapter five, Paul tells us that one of the fruits of the spirit is what? It's peace. And when you get the spirit of God, one of the things that should be blooming in your life is, is peace, right? So when we get the spirit, now we have access to this kind of otherworldly peace. Now you need to understand, Jesus actually references this, there are two types of peace in the world. So there's worldly peace, right? And by the way, I I love worldly peace. So worldly peace is, for those of you who have kids, you'll understand, you put your kids down at 830 and you got two hours of worldly peace (laughs) before you go to bed. I love worldly peace, right? I get to talk to my wife, get to read a book that I've been wanting to read. I get to watch a show I've been wanting to watch. That's worldly peace. I thank God for worldly peace. It's it's a, it's a good thing, but worldly peace is just, it's the absence of chaos. That's all it is. But there's another kind of peace that Jesus is actually offering us through his Holy Spirit, and that's godly peace. And that is peace in the midst, in the middle of the chaos. Not absence of chaos, but right in the middle of the chaos, he offers us his peace. In other words, it's not circumstantial. In the middle of the chaos of life, of the messiness of life, of the sinfulness of life, when you can still walk in peace, that is a gift from the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I'm I'm just gonna say this, and this is another thing that kind of grates some people when I say stuff like this, but this kind of peace is only available to those who follow Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, if you're not walking with Jesus, this kind of otherworldly peace, godly peace is not available to you. And listen, I have, known, I have known so many like mature f- saints in the faith who have walked through, man, all kinds of suffering and loss and pain and they've endured all sorts of things and yet always with this unshakable underlying sense of peace that just surpasses all human understanding. Sometimes even through the tears, even through the sorrow, they just, they'll tell me, Chris, I just I have this sense of peace. Like, I know I shouldn't have a sense of peace right now. I can't even explain it to you. I'm just telling you, I have this peace that's foundational in my heart and is not being shaken at all. That's the Holy Spirit of God. Applying this peace of Jesus, this shalom of heaven into the hearts of those who love and follow Jesus. And then Jesus continues on in verse 28. He said, uh, he says, you heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. Now, what Jesus is saying here is, listen, if you guys really understood what I was saying, like if y'all really understood that I'm saying I'm about to go to the cross, I'm gonna rise again in three days, then I'm gonna ascend to the Father but I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit and he's gonna empower you. He's gonna let you walk in freedom that you have never experienced before and he's gonna empower you to do incredible things that you never thought was even possible. If y'all understood what I was talking about, you guys wouldn't be sad right now. You'd be throwing a party. You'd be excited if you understood what I was saying right now. That's what Jesus is saying. Verse 29, and now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. All the more reason, by the way, we need the spirit. How many of you know we have a real enemy? We have a real enemy and we need the indwelling Holy Spirit of God to help us walk this out daily. So he says, for the ruler of this world is coming but he has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded so that the world may know that I love the Father and that I love it. He says, rise, let us go from this place. Rise, let us go from here. And I think this is Jesus' way of saying, listen, I'm about to go to the cross, boys, and I'm gonna conquer sin, death, and hell, and I'm gonna gonna rise, and then I'm gonna send to the Father, and then I'm I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit to empower you to live this incredible life and do these incredible things that you never even dreamed of? Let's roll, guys. It's time to go, let's go get it. That's what he's saying to his guys. So that leads us to our our last question. How do we connect with the Holy Spirit of God? So we've already answered who has access to the Holy Spirit. We've answered, at least in part, we'll get to more of this in chapter 16 in a couple of weeks, what he does, kind of his function in the life of the believer But then the question is, well, how how do we connect with the Holy Spirit of God for those of us who are children of God? Well, first of all, Jesus is clear. You gotta love Jesus first to have access to the Holy Spirit. But then even after you've followed Jesus, you've placed your faith and trust in him, we all still need a daily filling of the Holy Spirit. So let me give you just kind of three practical ways from scripture, my own personal experience, three practical ways that I believe you can connect to the Holy Spirit of God. Number one, is I believe one way, maybe even the primary way that we can connect to the Holy Spirit of God is through the word of God. So go all the way back to verse 17, and Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of what? The spirit of truth. Meaning that part of his job, part of his job as teacher is to confirm truth to us. And as followers of Jesus, as Christians, our primary truth source is what? It's the word of God. It's the Bible, these ancient words, these God-breathed, spirit-filled words that bring life and truth. So I'm just telling you personally, the majority of the time that I've had a significant encounter with the Holy Spirit has been when I've been in the Word. Now listen, it doesn't happen every time. I wish I could tell you, man, every time I read the Word, man, I just have this really awesome experience, this emotional experience, and I'm weeping. And I wish that I could tell you that was the case. But just through the discipline of engaging God in his word, I do experience these moments that I can't explain. There are times where I read something and maybe I've read it 50 times before and the Holy Spirit just brings something to life in my mind, in my heart. There are times where I read my Bible and I'm just sitting there alone, fist pumping. Like, yeah, baby, yeah, that's right. That's who I am in Christ, man, I get excited. There are other times where I'm, I'm weeping, man. I just have tears streaming down my face. Like, God, you love me that way. I can understand how you could love other people that way, but God, you're, are, you, are you saying that you love me that way? I just interact with the Holy Spirit through his word and he confirms truth and he ministers to my heart and he encourages me and he teaches me and he brings things to remembrance. And all of that happens as I commune with the Holy Spirit through the word of God. Now, let me say this, and this is really, really important. So if you tuned out, I want you to tune back in just for a minute. Listen, listen clo- closely. The Spirit of God, listen will never contradict the word of God. You hear that? The spirit of God will never ever contradict the word of God. And that's where you get all kinds of things, movements that go off the rail. You end up with cults and all kinds of things. The spirit of God will never, ever contradict the word of God. And so when I get a man or a woman or somebody that comes into my office and say, Chris, I feel like God, because he wants me to be happy, is leading me to leave leave my wife or leave my husband or leave my family because I, I reconnected with my high school sweetheart on Facebook Messenger or something like that. I can say with confidence, no, he isn't leading you that direction. I don't even need to pray with you about that because the spirit of God will never, ever contradict the word of God. Now that may be a spirit leading you to do that, but it is not the spirit of God. So that's one way we, we stay on task. We st- make sure that we're hearing from the actual Holy Spirit of God is that we're connected to his word because his spirit will never contradict his word. Those two things are hand in glove. They work together. We may not separate those things. So that's one way that we connect with the Holy Spirit. The second way that we connect with the Holy Spirit is through prayer to God. Prayer to God. Now I, I'm learning this more and more. And as I practice this, I'm just telling you guys, this has made all the difference in my life as I've learned how to connect through prayer to the Holy Spirit of God. So I'm just telling you now when I have a tough meeting, I'm walking into a tough meeting that I'm not looking forward to. When I'm driving here on Sunday morning, I'm preparing to preach twice. When I've had a long day of work and I drive into the driveway and I'm exhausted and I have a wife and three kids that need my time, attention, love, and they need a daddy to talk to them and pray with them and play with them and wrestle. I've just learned that it's in those moments that I most need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I just need to pause and say, Holy Spirit, would you please fill me? Would you please empower me? I don't have any strength of my own. Would you give me wisdom? Would you give me supernatural energy that I don't have right now? And that has made all the difference in my walk. So we can connect with the spirit through the word of God, through prayer to God. And then the last way, and what, this is a way I don't think a lot of people think about. We can connect to, to the spirit through the body of Christ. We can connect to the spirit through the body of Christ. Our elders met uh, last Tuesday night and, uh, and we talked about this passage. So we read this passage together we prayed about it together. We had a robust, we probably discussed this for about an hour. And we're just praying like, God, show us, show us how to be submitted to the spirit. We want the spirit to be active in our body and in our community. And so show us, show us how to do this. And one of, the, one of the elders spoke up and said, man, one of the ways that I feel most connected to the spirit consistently is through, through our corporate time of worship. And that for me, I, I resonated with that. that oftentimes the, 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 the times I can interact most with the Spirit is as we're singing together corporately, like, and I can hear your voices and I can hear the worship team's voices and we're collectively worshiping God together. There are other times when we collectively, like we're about to do, we celebrate the Lord's Supper and we're taking the juice and we're taking the bread and we're remembering the sacrifice, the broken body of Christ for us. And I feel the Spirit speaking to me, maybe convicting me of a sin pattern in my life that I haven't confessed, that I haven't laid down before the Father. And he does this work in our life. And other times, maybe it's when we baptize new believers here and the Holy Spirit just does something or I get excited and I just kind of get on fire. And all of those things happen in the context of the body of Christ. Listen, we were never, ever, ever intended to walk out our relationship with Jesus alone, ever. And even for us as believers, discerning how the Holy Spirit is leading us is actually usually made clear through the counsel of mature believers in the body. I'm just telling you, I can't tell you how many times I've had to walk people through the shrapnel wounds of bad decisions that were almost always made in isolation. Like 99.9% of the time, bad decisions that have led to dire consequences in their life because decisions were made in isolation. That if they just would have sought out the counsel of a small group leader or the people in their small group or a pastor here or an elder here, where we could have prayed with them together and opened God's word together and prayed for the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom together, the outcome could have been so much different than what it is. Proverbs 11 says this, this will be on the screens for you, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Church, as we wrap up, I, I just gotta be honest with you even at my age, I've been walking with Jesus for 20 years now. And I'm just confessing to you, I feel like I'm just now starting to scratch the surface of what it is to live a spirit-filled life. And maybe you're like me, maybe you're you're just kind of scratching the surface, maybe you've never really kind of thought about this. I don't know, maybe you're a more mature believer, maybe you've been walking out this spirit-filled life for some time, and if that's you, man, God bless you, that's awesome. Maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online and you're not even a believer yet and you're not sure why, but some of this just kind of intrigues you. You're like, man, I don't, I don't know what this is about, but this stuff about a relationship with Jesus and then getting the Holy Spirit power in my life to guide me and help me and be my guide and be a peace giver. Like, man, there's just something that, that intrigues me about what you're talking about. I just wanna say, wherever you are on that spectrum, I truly believe with all of my heart that the Spirit of God wants to engage with you in a meaningful way right here, right now. So I just wanna say, man, if you, if you wanna begin that journey with Jesus, maybe you're religious, maybe you're a church person, but you're like, man, I, I don't have what you're talking about, Chris i never really turned from my sin. I've never really repented from my sin, started a relationship with Jesus and received his Holy Spirit so I could live this incredible, free, joyful, peaceful, Spirit-filled life, and I, I want that. And if that's you, whether you're watching online, whether you're here in the room, I just wanna beg you, would you reach out to us? Would you let us know that the Holy Spirit is prompting you in that direction? Because we wanna walk you through that process. We want to help you kind of launch out in the right way and the most significant adventure you could ever experience in your life as you begin a relationship with the creator of this universe through his son, Jesus Christ, by the power of his spirit. I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. There's no drug like it. There's nothing in the world that can give you that kind of experience and that kind of life. And if you've never done it, man, we want to talk with you about that. And listen, if you're here, This morning, if you're online and you're already a follower of Jesus, I think what Jesus is saying to us this morning, collectively, is let not your hearts be troubled, child. Son, daughter, don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, why should our hearts not be troubled? Because he hasn't left us as orphans. He has sent us another helper. He has sent us a guide. He has sent us a peace giver in our hearts and lives to empower us to live this incredible spirit-filled life of hope and freedom and peace. So church, child of God, I want you to know that you have the same spirit alive in you that raised Jesus from the dead almost 2,000 years ago. The church family, let's take hold of what is ours, what belongs to us in Jesus. Let's live out this spirit-filled life for our good and for the glory of our King. Let's pray and then we're gonna celebrate. God, we come to you. And we are so grateful that you have not left us as orphans, but you've sent another helper. You've sent the Holy Spirit to be our helper, to be our comforter, to be our intercessor, to be our guide through life, to be the peace giver through the storms of life. You've given us yourself through your Holy Spirit, God. We're thankful for that. We're grateful for that. And God, I pray if there's someone here, whether they're watching online or here in person, God, that's never crossed that threshold of faith. They've never experienced a relationship with you through your son, Jesus, and experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. I pray that that journey for them would begin right now today, that they would just pray out in their hearts and say, God, I know I need help. I know, I know I'm a sinner. I know, I know I'm broken. And I I don't know how to get back and I don't know how to fix things in my life, God. And so I wanna trust in you through Jesus. I want you to fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can begin to live out this incredible adventure that you have for me as your son, as your daughter. So if you've never done that, I would just encourage you to pray a prayer like that, God. And for those of us who are already in your family. We've given our lives to Jesus. God, would you teach us that it's not just the indwelling of the Spirit, but we need the daily filling of the Holy Spirit. Would you teach us how to commune with your Spirit? Would you teach us how to connect with him so that he could empower our lives in the way that you want us to live out in your kingdom? God, we love you so much. And we pray in the matchless, the powerful, the beautiful name of your son, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.